Broadcasting from the heart of downtown Hollywood, this is SoFloRadio.com. Do you know who I am, Mr. Walling? I give up. Who are you? I'm the Antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. You see that? And smarts, doesn't it? The slander in the nose. Fucks you all up. Get that pain shooting through your brain, your eyes fill up with water. That ain't any kind of fun. But what I have to offer you, that's as good as it's gonna get. And it won't ever get that good again. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Groove Don. I am Tony C. And yeah, I'm back. First time in three weeks. I can honestly say I am live in the studio with the master. Los Torches! Did you miss me, babe? You missed the groove? You know it. Okay, yeah. I have to apologize because the FDA's recommended weekly allowance of groove is two hours. And I had a show last week where we had to regurgitate. Or, you know, used groove. This was so bad. It was, uh, it was good the second time around. It's absolutely, you know. It, it still had some chewy chunks. Well, the thing I like about it, it's very Roman. It's, it's kind of the vomitorium of groove. Um, needless to say, uh, I've been away for a couple of weeks and i got a lot to talk about. Every Groovathon centers around one thing in particular, and that's an attitude of gratitude. And I have got a truckload of it. So much stuff to get to today, but at the top of the list uh, is the most important thing. I was in New York for one specific reason, which was that my mother had knee surgery. She is getting better day by day. And I want to say thank you to all of the uh, people that, you know, wished her well, particularly friends of mine, you know, that I've had since high school, many of whom know my mother. Um, and she says thank you, and, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I could be there for her, but mostly I'm grateful that she's coming through like a tube. She handled it better than I did. Got to be honest with you about that. Um, lots of shout-outs uh, during this show to friends and people. You know, one quick thing I wanted to get out of the way. My friend uh, from high school, Greg Baldinger, finished the New York City Marathon yesterday. Three hours, 42 minutes. Now, his dad ran the marathon. He ran the marathon now. So, second generation under four-hour crew. You know? I mean, just running that distance in a lifetime is good enough, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, that was, uh, I got to tell you, three hours and 42 minutes. I, I actually grew up literally right, right by the finishing line of uh, the New York City Marathon. I used to be able to watch it from the apart, from, from basically from my bedroom. I could see the last hundred yards of it going by uh, uh, Tavern on the Green. The public, the only public bathrooms in, uh, in uh, Central Park, in case you're interested. If you're in Central Park, got to go to the bathroom. Don't, don't pee in the woods. Walk right into uh, Tavern on the Green. Walk right into the bathroom. It's a public hey, space. Hey, don't tell me where to pee in. <laughs> it's a public space so you can do that. Lots of stuff to get to today. I want to get this out of the way right off the bat. Yes, I am in mourning. I do have drapes over my uh, mirrors. I have been saying Kaddish, uh, Shemeropa. My beloved Mighty Metropolitans lost the World Series last night. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way. 
you know, they did great this year. Um, and I'm already looking forward to next year. So much so, I've got this to say to every other baseball team out there. Pitchers and catchers report in February, so we're going to see you then, bitches. And we are going to mess you up in a way that only the mighty Metropolitans can. I'm proud of them. They, they played great this year. They went much further than I or anybody else thought they would. And we're looking forward to another great season. And many of them, hopefully, Will Pond and Sandy Aldersick can keep the crew together. Um, lots of music. I don't want to waste too much more time. And, you know, I, we got to get to the groove. I've got tons of grooves. Dandels, Delight, Marianne Faithful. Some other new stuff that uh, I got. I met, uh, hooked up with my brother. He turned me on to a band. I'm going to be playing a little bit later on. Some, some interesting stuff. Stuff from people that I saw, including the Hippie Nuts. We got that coming up. Also, I've got comedy from really the ultimate master. Okay, Rodney Dangerfield. It comedy, stand-up comedy starts and ends. You know, you can make your claim for all the others. And there are some that really laid the groundwork. Okay, and you know, Lenny Bruce, he gets all props and roll. But when I'm not, when I'm feeling down, I just go onto YouTube and basically find myself a 10-minute Rodney Dangerfield clip and I feel better. And so the Mets lost and I had to find Rodney. So I've got that. All of that, of course, is going to be surrounded by two hours of the greatest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. Yo, baby. Just pass up. Who didn't reset their clock? Oh, yeah. Well, we just got here. Okay. Who did? It's just past two o'clock <laughs> in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Hey, guess what? Hawaii does not do daylight saving, so I have to recalculate. Yeah. Hey, man. Just past nine o'clock. Nine o'clock on the big island there. Big shout out to the Kau crew. Just past, well, let me see. I would guess everybody else is still in the same time frame. We think 7 o'clock in England, 10 o'clock in Istanbul. I'm going to shoot for those those puppies right sure. there. Shout out to the European crew. Mucho mahalo to everybody who is tuning in here and around the world. And of course, all the people that download the show later on. Y'all about ready? Ready. Lord knows I am. Hey, Ran saddle up and stick around. I'm back, baby. It's the Groove of Don on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs> Let's go. 
hard, Johnny, and I'm trying to relax. You know, I yeah. got uh, I go to Las Vegas next week. The resorts after that. I got an album coming out, a movie coming out. I'm working very hard. Yeah. Well, you know, my father, he was a workaholic. Really? Oh, yeah. You mentioned work, he got drunk. I <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> well, I finally solved my drinking problem. I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. You know? Yeah, I still drink. I use a different name. That's all. <laughs> Now, I tell you, my problem is that I drink too much, way too much. Yeah. I got my doctor a urine specimen. There was an olive in it. <laughs> hey, when I drink, I don't know what I'm doing. I was loaded one item into a gay bar. Ooh, it was ridiculous. There was 15 guys for every guy. <laughs> this was on full. Yeah. This was on full. Yeah. on full. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm never lucky in bars. Uh-huh. I saw a sign of a one bar. It said topless, bottomless. I went inside. There was no one there. <laughs> Life ain't easy. I mean, nothing works, sir. You had to start to look out for number one, and I stepped to number two. <laughs> and smoking, that's another one. Yeah. Try to stop smoking, that's a beauty, huh? Well, with cigarettes, my wife and I, we made a deal, my wife and I. We yeah. only smoke after sex. I've got the same packed house since 1975. <laughs> what bothers me is my wife. She's up to three packs a day. <laughs> Tell you the truth, my wife and I, we never have sex. Now, we get undressed, we can't stop laughing. You know? <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, when my wife does have sex, she screams. Ooh, especially when I walk in on her. <laughs> now, you can, I know my wife cheats on me. Every time I come home, the parrot says, quick, out the window, you know? <laughs> My kids, they don't help either. You know? No good, huh? Ooh, no. My kids, they're real smart kids I got, you know. Yeah. Well, the other day I told my kid, I said, someday you'll have children of your own. He said, so are you. <laughs> no, I got, I got a mean kid, a very mean kid. You know, he scotch tastes warm to the sidewalk, then watches the birds get hernias. Are you kidding me? <laughs> mean. mean kid. Mean kid. And my daughter, too. She's no bargain oh. either, my daughter. Are you kidding <laughs> Well, she's been picked up so many times, she's starting to grow handles. <laughs> I mean, you're kidding. Her graduation book, her picture is horizontal. It's ridiculous. No. <laughs> my daughter, you My daughter, they call her Federal Express, you know. What's that? Yeah, when she goes to a guy's apartment, she absolutely positively has to be there with <laughs> Man, I'm trying to trouble because they play around so young today. Very young. I was talking to my doctor. You know my doctor, Dr. Vinnie Boombach. You know my doctor? <laughs> well, he told me last week in his office he got six cases of VD. I mean, he's all right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a strange doctor. Strange doctor. Oh, hey, kid. I asked him if my heart was strong enough to sex. He told me not if I join in, you know? <laughs>
Oh, that's the way you get it done. A brand new discovery of mine, the Hippie Nuts. We love that shit. Went and uh, I was in New York, and a couple days after I got there, I had um, hooked up with a guy named Tom Semioli. He's the bass player on that. And I know him, met him through a friend of mine, Paul Page, another bass player, and Stowski, also a guy who makes basses. And so I got to go down and see them at a venerable New York institution, a place called The Bitter End, which has been around since 19, I believe, 61. And it's on Bleecker Street. My dad used to live at 110 Bleecker Street. He used to be able to see the bitter end out of his apartment. But I didn't, you know, that was when I was very young and didn't appreciate it the way I do now. The the tie-in on that is that um, when Will Lee left the uh, late show, he brought his amplifier from that and brought it down to the bitter end and said, here, you can have my bass amp. So everybody gets to play through Will Lee's bass amp. So I see these guys live. They were dynamite. That song is Dire Need. Um, it's Tim Champion and Katina Bryan are really the two people who put that band together. And now they've got Tom Semioli on bass. And he's got a, a site called VinylManifesto.com. And he also does he does like a column every once in a while for the Huffington Post on music. And he's got a thing called uh, Know Your Bass Player. And he's up to 240-something. If you want to know about bass players, look up Tom Semioli and just go to whatever his sites are. All right, And you'll find out whatever bass player you want to find out about, he knows about it. So a number of days later, I'm walking down the block, and there's Will Lee coming out of the subway. I go, stop, and got a chance to thank him for 30 years of music and said, hey, my friends just played through your amp at the bitter end. So there's your tie-in, only in New York. You know, that's what we got to love about it. Before that, Rufus Thomas, Itch and Scratch. That is, uh, of course, we don't do edits here, so that's parts one and two. Okay, I'm not giving you the three-minute side A version. Okay, you get sides A and B perfectly mixed together. That actually is um, from an album. It was called The Funkiest Man Alive, the Stax Funk section, Sessions from 67 to 75. An absolute must-own. Rufus Thomas really, you know, James, Brand, James Brown's the funkiest man ever. But Rufus Thomas, you know... He fought for that crown long and hard, man. He was worthy. He was absolutely worthy. Prior to that, Rodney Dangerfield making us laugh. It doesn't matter how many times no, you yeah. hear it. It really doesn't. It doesn't. And the John, that's from a uh, 1983 uh, appearance he had on Johnny Carson. And, you know, just go and look up Rodney Dangerfield, Johnny Carson, and every single one of them is great. He would save, like, this five or ten minutes just for that show. They don't. He didn't even have to do the stand-up. Johnny would just bring him right over to the chair, sit him down, and then just sit back and go, really, what's that? And that's it. You're off to the races. The ones I was, like, walking down the street the other day, I found a wallet inside of a picture of my wife and kids. Oh. So, you know, I called my wife up. She said, come home, honey. I got a new I, I got a new position. I new position. So I get home. The position was filled. I don't know. How you so that's great. So I've been kicking it off, of course. Want to kick you kick in the teeth, baby. The Rollins Band Monster. That is from... Get Some Go Again Sessions, which was a uh, it's a double album they put out back then. I actually put it out under a different name and had to redo it to bring it back to Rollins Band. So, I was in New York. And, you know, I'm from there. And when I go back, um, I went back because my mother had knee surgery. And I thought she was going to be getting out of rehab within a day or two of me getting there. But she had to stay an extra week. Big shout out to Amsterdam House, 112th in Amsterdam. Um... Nobody likes to go to a hospital or a rehab unit or a nursing home to see somebody that they love. 
that's just, it's never good. And yet, these guys uh, at that place were fantastic. Um, and she, she's on the 12th floor. She had a phenomenal view of the front of St. John the Divine, the largest Gothic cathedral in the United States of America, and the second largest Gothic cathedral in the world after the Basilica in Rome. Okay. okay, but a phenomenal, really just a beautiful piece of architecture. It's massive. It is a massive place. And she's got this view of that, and then looking all the way down south in Manhattan from, her, from the 12th floor. And they really treated her well. However, here's the thing. There is no place you get treated well, no matter how well they treat you, food's still going to stink. Right. There's no way around it. It's a hospital. It's a rehab. And so what made me happy was that I was able to go back and forth from my mom's place, Midtown, 58th, and I'd hop on the train mm-hmm. with her New York Times and a fresh change of clothes for a couple of days and come up there, and then I'd take her food order. And, you know... One day it was V&T's pizza from 110th, and, you know, great pizza. Both of us remember it not being being better. On the other hand, the place has been around for 60 years. If you're around that long, you're doing something right. Got her bagels and lots one day. Got her, you know, I got her all kinds of really good food. So that puts a smile on my face. She's getting better. So shout out to the Amsterdam house for taking good care of my mom. One of those days I actually get to walk around the corner to Tom's Diner. 112. There you go, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. Little Suzanne Vega. You know, the original version of that is like this slow droning. Yeah. But at the end of it, it's, I can, you know, I'm listening to the bells of the cathedral. I am thinking of your voice. So the bells of the cathedral, in case you didn't know, St. John the Divines, 112th of Riverside. Suck it up, pals. Food, I chowed. I chowed. I left. When I left, I told you this. When I left, my jeans were too were a little too loose. When I yeah. came back, they're too tight. Uh, seriously, no belt, no nothing right now. I've got a gut, and it's me. All right? I'm punching. Okay? Because, well, you're, you're muffin topping over there? I'm muffin topping. <laughs> a couple of places. Here's the, 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 the one story. Where did I write this down? There it is. Okay. One night after my mom gets back, she goes, why don't you go out? You know, she, had, she, she was having a hard time eating. You know, you're coming back out. You're on medication and stuff. And so I got her some food, and then I said, all right, I need to go out and get real food for me. And a lot of it, she goes, why don't you go down to Carnegie Diner? Get yourself a pastrami on the Okay? Just do it. Get it yeah. over with. She's like, that, if that's not enough food for you, I don't know what is. Because when you get a sandwich there, it's the most expensive sandwich in America. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it does feed a family of four for the weekend. I go, You go there and get a sandwich. When I, I always ask, there's the trick. You go to Carnegie Deli, you get yourself a big sandwich, okay? Ask for two extra pieces of bread. They'll give it to you for free because that way you can make two very legitimate sandwiches. Okay, there you go. Oh, absolutely. You get the two extra pieces of bread. I mean, most people don't do that, and then they end up wasting it. So I go, great, good idea. I don't know what time it was, 7 o'clock at night, and, you know, Carnegie Deli is three blocks from my mom's place. I walk out, go down to Carnegie Deli, and it was closed. Not for good. They're renovating. They need more electricity. But here's the thing that was the funniest. There is a guy standing in front. He's got his cell phone out. He is practically in tears. Yeah. Okay? Because much like myself, he had his fucking heart set on it, baby. He had his heart. All wrapped around a sandwich. Just set on it. And he's standing there, and he's, you know, his hand shaking. He's like, oh, close. close. I'm like, look, dude, if you've got it, if you've. If you've got the motivation, you really want the good sandwich, get on a train, go down to Houston and Ludlow, go to Katz's Delicatessen. That's it. I swear to God, I know it's sacrilegious to say it right in front of Carnegie Deli. Katz's, that's an upgrade. They're the real McCoy. That's the best you can get. 
but I couldn't walk there from my mom's place. So I ended up getting pizza instead. <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah, could have been worse. I could have gotten pizza down here. Right? <laughs> On the beach. Right. Some other food things that came up. I went and had, I swear to God, I'm not exactly the goulash master. I haven't sampled goulash all over the world and in various restaurants. But I've had it before. You know, it's a good, you know, a good goulash. It's great stuff, man, when it's the right meat, the right sauce. I had, this is no crap, the best goulash I've ever had. And the best chicken liver. Oh. Pate, yeah. The kind of stuff my grandmother would have made if she knew how to cook this well. Okay. You know? And, and I discussed it. The name of the restaurant is called Werkstatt. Werkstatt, which means um, workshop I mean, okay. in Austria. And it's um, owned by Robin and Tom her Furlish, her husband, who is the chef Oh, chef This guy took uh, the Cafe des Artistes at 67th. Very famous restaurant. It's been around. It's in the Des Artistes building. And it's literally, if you walk out of Tavern on the Green, that's right on the corner. It's right there, mm-hmm. about half a block away. Very famous restaurant. He made that, took it from a three-star to a four-star restaurant. So that's saying something. If you can do that to that place. And now he's got this little place. It's out on Coney Island Avenue, which is not on Coney Island. And it's, you know, it's a nice region ride. But the chicken liver, pate, you know. I remember, you know, if you're Jewish and like me, you grow up and it's, it's served at every meal because Grandma had it every time. From the old country. It's like, yeah, it's like she brought it over from the old country. It's still there from 1920. This stuff, amazing. Verkstadt, mention my name, absolutely Groovathon approved, all right? And the best thing is this. The food is so damn good, you're going to think you got to crack open the piggy bank, except you don't. I didn't see anything in the menu over like $25. Like they're most expensive. The stuff that I got, I got the goulash, which is like 18 bucks and worth every damn penny. I mean, you know, look, if the food sucked, I just simply wouldn't mention it. I just wouldn't bring up the restaurant. Right. Robin's a very old and dear friend of mine. Anything I can do to help her out, great. So if the food sucks, the best thing, if the food had sucked, the best thing I could do is not mention it at all. That would be fantastic to anybody in the New York area. They just opened. They're going to be around forever. All right. And it's not big. They don't do reservations yet. Get there now so you can say you knew them when. Because eventually what's going to happen is it's going to be packed, and you're going to want to have an in. You're going to want to go there and have an in. So, Verkstatt, 509 Coney Island, Rob and Tom treated me great, and I got stuff. And bonus package for me, I got to hop right on the uh, B train from um, Court Street, I think it was. I can't remember what the station was there, but I have it written down. And it was like 20 minutes, door to door. I got right up to 100 and 6th, or 100 and, was 103rd, excuse me, on the B train, Central Park West, right back to the old hood. Boom. So got there, and got, in time, got home in time to see the Mets. I can't even. <laughs> That's the Sorry problem with that. bringing stuff like that up. Um, I don't know what else. You know, I did so much stuff. There was so much stuff that went on. There are so many shout-outs that I have to give. You know what? I'm on the food subject. Personal to me. My friend Maria Teresa Garcia. She is the queen of Convent Avenue. Seriously, this chick is like is like Sophia Loren. I swear to God, she she has been. She got that facha, that face, man, unbelievable. And her daughter is Laura. Just to freak me out, remind me of how old I was. As I'm walking out after having a phenomenal dinner at Casa de Garcia on Convent Avenue, she reminds me that Laura just turned 18. At which point, I crumpled down to my knees because there's no way. Mm-hmm. 
I should have friends with kids. It doesn't matter. It aged me at the yin-yang, and that was just the way it was. Notice a lot of interesting trends in New York. I'm going to get to some of those. The skinny jeans is the one to point out to me. I just don't understand it. If you're not gay, why do you want to look like you're gay? And, you know, you want to look like you're gay. They, they got skinnier. I didn't they know did. they could get and skinnier than already. Than- I, they're like, I'm, I'm not even sure what the comparison is other than to say just goofy. And with the big, with the high top, like wrestling shoes, yeah. so that the, li- the the tongue of the shoe goes over the skinny jean. Right. right. You know, very form-fitting, and the worst part, of course, They're is like that leggings now. For they the are, time, and yeah. the, the worst part that I've discovered for both men and women is that just because you wear skinny jeans... <laughs> doesn't make you skinny? Damn skippy it doesn't. That's right. Okay, that's not how you get skinny. You get skinny by exercising and eating properly. To the best of my knowledge, yeah. you know, that's pretty much, I'm, I'm almost certain that's how you stay thin. Now... I'm lucky. I'm svelte. I've got that, yeah. you know, that thing going on over here. You know, nobody in the family loses hair. Nobody gets junky. Even my mother was like, "Hey, you know what the best thing about being in the hospital was? Lost ten pounds." I was like, "So can you fit into those gold Fiorucci jeans you wore once?" She's like, "Oh no, oh no, 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 no." So <laughs> I've been trying to encourage my mother. I literally it was interesting. It's like a role reversal because normally the Jewish mother is, "Come on, you've got to eat. You're not yeah. eating enough." This time it's me telling my mom, Mom, finish the sandwich. And now I'm going to put it away for you. No. No, no, no. If I've got to puree it and slam it into that vein, that's where it's going, baby. <laughs> so I, she's finally eating more food now, which is great. So that made me happy as a clam. You know, I don't even know what else to talk about. I've got more groove. You know, this is going to be one of those shows where I'm going to yak a lot. I'm back. And I've got tons of groove for future shows. But right now... There's things to talk about. Well, you know what? What? There's more groove to play as well. I've got a nice set here. Some interesting stuff. A little more walking for you. And then after this, I'm going to be talking about another show I saw. Uh, after the Marianne Faithful song that, that's uh, finishing up this set. Meanwhile, we started off with a band from uh, from England. Uh, these guys are a bunch of chicks. You know, just interesting stuff from these guys. I think they only have the one album out. They're called The Head Coatees. This is Say That You Love Me on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. You say that you love me. Well, you know that's a lie. You say that you'll find me. Well, you know that ain't right. Everything that I've got to say. Seems you don't listen to any 
the love I held in my heart I've had to see the heart
There was this guy, big guy, Irish-Italian, red face, black hair, jolly son of a bitch. Wait a second. Nobody could make me laugh like him. He made a science of collecting jokes. Closed my bars together and I could count. And he was a pal. I love the crazy Mick. I'm not ashamed to say that, but he was a fuck-up. He had his image of himself. McDonald was a, a con man. Always trying to shave the edge. He was nickel and dime. I'll always miss him. Tell me why. Tell you why what? Tell me why I miss him. He's dead? That's right. He is dead, but tell me why. How do I know? I don't... I'm... Tell me why he's dead. Because you killed him. That's right, I did. I killed him. He fucked up one too many times, so I put a bullet in his eye. Then I put two more into him just to make sure. Now, that was somebody I loved. I loved him. But I got the call. I put him down like a sick animal. So, if you got doubts about what's going to happen, if you don't deliver, let me tell you something. I made gravy out of your little girl just to season that black Irish cocksucker's meat. Spit on my snatch. Are we out of love now? Is it just a bad? 
I did do it. Marianne Faithful from Broken English 1979. You know, that song's kind of going out. It's a little bit of a uh, thank you to uh, Tammy Faye Starlight, who I was privileged enough to see uh, the very first night I got to New York. I literally raced home from the uh, airport, showered, stuffed something down my throat, and then hightailed it down to 2nd Avenue between 11th and 12th to a place called Pangea. Where Tammy Faye Starlight had done her Marianne Faithful show. She did it every Thursday during uh, October. And I took, uh, uh, went there with the, the friend that introduced me to her, uh, Roger Hitch. And I took a friend of mine, my old boss from Tower Records, Kenny Altman, whom I hadn't seen in, you know, a bazillion years. But I knew he would like this kind of thing. And he did. So much so, he went back two weeks later and saw it again. So that's when you know you brought somebody to something they really enjoyed. He went. He actually was there this past Thursday as well, and she has people sitting in with her. She had Lenny K the night I was there. Then the next night she had Marshall Crenshaw sitting in. So you know, it's not like this chick ain't getting it right because when you got people like that who want to sit in and play with you and do stuff, you know you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Tammy Faye absolutely got it done. Big shout out. Thank you so much for a terrific, terrific show. Really, just if you get a chance to see her doing Nico or. Or Marianne Faith, or any of the shows that she does, and you're in the New York area, you really do have to hightail it over there, pay whatever it costs, because she's this chick gets on stage as a stage presence. I saw two shows, both with Uber chicks with Uber stage presence. Okay, Tammy Faye was the first one, then Kathina Bryant from uh, from the Hippie Nuts. You know, she's like this little packet of energy. Both of them, you know, except Kathina's from Texas. And Tammy Faye's from, you know, she's in, she's from the Upper West Side, like me. She's a Jewish girl from the Upper West Side, so God bless her for that. Uh, what else did we play there before? That little Chris Walken talking about how he's going to make gravy out of, the, out of Johnny Depp's little girl. Like his 15 movie bombs haven't done that already. For that delight, who was that from their greatest hits? Kicking it off the head coat tease. Head coat tease. Say that you love me. That's from the 1992 album. Here comes Cessation. I'm pretty sure that's their only release. Uh, I kind of went poking around, couldn't find anything else by them. So I have a feeling, you know, they, they like got together and then broke up, and I think that's like their only release. So um, certainly worth getting. I mean, you know, it's a bunch of chicks doing, you know, like the garage reinvigoration of garage music in New York was like, now it's just like the Ramones, all right? Europe's are always, you know, everybody thinks Europe's so on top of things. No, they're not. The thing is, America's on top of things, but American fans don't get it as quickly. But we, we, we do it here first, all right? The Ramones aren't from London, motherfuckers. They're from Brooklyn and Queens. They're from Queens, all right? That's where they're from, all right? Now, where's the Ramones Museum? Well, it's in Berlin. <laughs> I'm not kidding around. The Ramones Museum is in, and it's, because uh, a friend of mine was just there, and he showed pictures of it, and it's, it's done. The logo looks like CBGBs, you know? They've really embraced that. <coughs> 35 years later. Right. You know, that's, you know, but when the Ramones first went over there, they were, they couldn't believe how popular they were. So, you know, any event, there's a lot of that stuff. I got some stuff from Europe, actually, later I'm going to play, uh, if I, if we've got enough time, I got a little more Poets of Rhythm, because, I don't know, I'm on a Poets of Rhythm kick these days. I'm on a European funk kick these days, you know, the Boogoos. How is that band out of uh, Germany? Love that stuff, man. Jaws. Solid with the horns and the whole thing. All right, what else? What happened while I was away? 
I, I don't know. I was underwater the whole time. Good man. That's what I like to hear. Working. I, I would have watched the Republican debate, but I had just yeah, eaten. I'm not going to watch any more of that. Well, I had just eaten. <laughs> so, you know, didn't want to do that. I will say this. As I said before, Paul Ryan took the job he definitely didn't want, yet he was the only person everybody else wanted it, wanted to have it. Well, guess what, buddy? That honeymoon, she has about ended. Because any second now, budget battles, we're going to have the debt limit uh, battles. And then what's going to happen is once we get into 2016, the election cycle really starts to kick off with the Iowa caucuses and the Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then, you know, trudge our way into Super Tuesday. Which, by the way, was when Ben Carson's dropping out. I'm holding to this. I'm holding to my prediction. Ben Carson will will crumble at some point after Super Tuesday. And then he will start his campaign for 2018 Senate, where what state is irrelevant? What matters to him is that he has a say in government. We all thought that Donald Trump was as crazy as he can get. Negative. No. Negatory, negatory. Okay, this guy makes Donald Trump look like the sanest person on earth. Just because Ben Carson says it, you know, like he's basically on Thorazine. I mean, he's the Thorazine yeah. candidate. All right? But if you listen to his words, what he is, it's like he's on Thorazine. He's cuckoo bananas. Yeah. It's not just his attitude. It's what he said. He's out of his mind. You know, and he was embracing. And now they got him with this chemical company. That's just bullshit. You know, I did. You know, he's like, that's just uh, I can't remember what the word he used. Propaganda. That was it. Propaganda because he was, you know, shilling for some chemical company, some supplements company. The one I like the most is he had like some sort of pancreatic cancer. He's like, you know, it cured. I took the supplements and it cured me of my pancreatic cancer. But I wanted to, but I had the surgery anyway because I wanted to be a role yeah. model. Yes, yes. What for people? I know all over the world, people are looking up to you. Those people that have always wanted unnecessary surgery, they take you as a hero, following you That's like right. lemmings to the, you know, to the sea of the OR unnecessarily, of course. Shut up! He's, the worst thing is, he's a doctor, right? Like, and from every account, he is a world-renowned brain and vascular surgeon or whatever. It's a wacky world. It, you know. That was, uh, I saw somewhere, somebody, I think it was Borowitz out of the New Yorker, wrote um, that uh, Ben Carson is having people rethink surgeons being smart people. Right. You know, how smart do you have to be? I mean, look at this we, guy. We, we can't use that phrase anymore. It's not brain surgery, because apparently anybody can be one. Yeah, now it's now they've gone full ELP. It's brain salad surgery at this yeah. point with these guys. Yes, I've got ELP coming up. Not today, but I did. Go through a bunch of ELP. I went through some Link Ray, a lot of Link Ray, a lot of Frank Zappa in the last couple of days. Listen to a whole bunch of that stuff. You know, and I got more groove. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure I've got a ton of stuff to talk about. I've got notes here from when I was in uh, in New York. All kinds of things that I wrote down. There's the Paul Ryan thing. Shout out to all my friends. Sure, took care of that. What else? Went to Tom's Diner, Men in Skinny Jeans. New terminology. I told you some of the new terminology. Oh, yeah, I picked yeah, up. Yeah. So the first one is um, guys... Who are, uh, you know, they're growing the beards and now they're they're wearing flannel and the overalls and stuff like that. So the term is lumbersexuals. Right. That's the new term. The one I like the most, my brother clued, clued me into this one. When I told it to my mom, she laughed. So I know this is funny. It's the people that are very, very, very wealthy. They buy these incredibly, incredibly nice things. And they are the most liberal. You know, when you talk to them, they're, they're all about... Progressive liberal issues and income inequality. The term for these people is, wait for it, you ready? Neiman Marxists. 
That's it. Neiman Marxists. So we love that. Saw a few um, Trustafarians recently. <laughs> that was the term. That that was the term we used out in Hawaii for you know the white guys Excellent. with the dreadlocks driving you know their brand new Volvo or Saab. I'm like, dude, man, those are Nordic cars, and you're on the uh, the Big Island of Hawaii. Yeah. What? There's no pond hockey here. That was it. There's no pond hockey. This place sucks. So that was it. The Trustafarian. So we've got some new terminology. You know, I wanna. I want to keep you guys informed, baby. Yeah, but you know what I really want to do? I want to keep you grooved. We kick off another set. Just ice cold, getting dumb. Boy, this is old school. On the Groovathon on SoFlowRadio.com.
say I never know supposed to be an adult. Sympathetic emotions I never felt. So get yeah. help. You know that you are lost and you know that it's been all in. That you are soft. Just I serve vicious. It's here to rock on. Tell you all about myself and let my knowledge be born. Respect on the mic when it comes to a rhyme. If you're thinking much of life, you know you're out of your mind. Those I reminisce, you tend to then to try to convince me to believe your stupid nonsense. I'm twice as nice. I'm
You got that dent on your top lip way back before you were born. I told you a secret. Then I put my finger there and I said, Shh. Shut, shut, shut. Hey, 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 what you
watch her 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 watch
One of the all-time classics. The Standells Ride on Sunset Strip. That's from 67's Try It. Uh, what do we have before that? The Boss. Actually, not The Boss. Just Boss. Deeper from 1993. That's from uh, her first release, Born Gangsta. She's a Motor City woman, but that was it. She then trans- transported herself out to L.A. where she got discovered. So, uh, what else? A little more Chris Walken telling you how you got that little dent in your lip. Before that... Tom Jones and Little Richard. Now, that is from, this is Tom Jones' TV series. He had a, uh, a series on, and it's 1969, and the shit is groovy out the yin-yang. I've got a whole bunch of clips from that. This one is uh, Tom Jones and Little Richard. They're doing uh, Rip It Up, Send Me Some Love, and Good Golly, Miss Molly. I've also got, from that series of shows, I've got him with Jerry Lee Lewis, him with um, Janis Joplin, an interesting song there. The reason I uh, this kind of popped into my mind is uh, I was having a discussion uh, with a friend of mine, Roger Hitz, who actually knows more about music than anybody I know. Uh, he knows way more than I do. I know a lot about music, and he knows way more than I do, which is almost disturbing, you know. But um, we were talking about building blocks of, uh, of rock and roll, the foundations of it. And it's, there's a uh, thing going on between Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and um, Chuck Berry about who's going to be the last man standing, at which point I said, well, none of them. It's going to be Keith Richards. We all know that. After the Holocaust, Twinkies, cockroaches, Keith Richards. Right. That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. He's going to be left. That was the, I posted that thing and said, uh, Lamar Odom, you know, a weekend of cocaine, booze, and hookers, and he's, you know, in a coma. Fucking amateur. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we're going to have to start worrying about what kind of world we're going to be leaving Keith Richards. Kicking off the set, old school, personified, just ice cold, getting dumb. And you know why I know it's old school? Because it's from the album, Back to the Old School. So there you go. Um, what time is it? 3.20? Yeah. We got lots of groove, which means I don't get to talk that much anymore. But you know what? It's time for me to take care of the people to take care of me. You know who I'm talking about. Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, 954-247-9362. Absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars and which reminds me i'm like two weeks late now because i didn't think i was going to be in new york and i had been over there before i said look i'm going to be leaving my car for a week do me a favor he's like everything looks fine bring it back afterwards we'll swap out the fluids you know it's you got about three thousand for this time to do that so dave coming to see you pal those chevelles oh he's got now he's got another chevelle in there the guy is like a it's a chevelle-a-thon at there if you like chevelles Forget about whether or not you need car work done. Just go there and look at them. I mean, they're they're just the 70 and 71s. Oh, God. Barrett Jackson worthy, without a doubt. But, of course, you know what that means. Time for the drive groove of the day. Yeah, I got shredders for you. I picked out a bunch of stuff. And, you know, normally I try and throw in a uh, an acoustic. I'm a bluegrass fan, so I'll find a Flat and Scruggs, a Doc Watson song. Something, you know, even, you know, um, I don't know. What's his name? Banjo player I played last week. Whatever. But this week I just didn't, you know, didn't have it in me. And one of the reasons why was because uh, the song I wanted to play um, that's going to kick off the set is Lady by uh, Beck Bogart and Apathy. It's from, you know, their, the one album they put out together in 73. And I was looking up some of the stuff on that. First things first, it was originally they started, their, they recorded it in two different studios. The first studio they recorded it in was Chess Studios from Chess Records, which is, you know, I think they were named the greatest blues label of all time. But there's a quote from uh, Jeff Beck, and I wrote it down here. It says, 
We never played what people wanted to hear in America. They expect vicious, violent rock and roll. I was trying to play. This is right after he um, had just, like, disbanded the first kind of uh, the Jeff Beck group. They, they had just kind of broken up there, and then he did this, and then they got back together again. So he goes, that's what not, that's not, that he goes, that's what I'm known for. But I was avoiding all of that in the previous band. I was trying to play subtle rock and roll. I mean, that stuff was more suitable for clubs and not big stages. This group, you're going to hear some much heavier stuff. And he wasn't fucking around, pal. This is the lady off that album, but I'll tell you, best version of the song Superstition ever done on that album. I played a live version. They did one tour. I was actually wrote some notes to myself. I need to put together a set of all stuff live from Japan. Deep Purple, Cheap Trick, Budokan. Yeah. These guys, their live albums from Japan as well. So there's a whole bunch of that. I also had another thing with Lords. I wrote down Lords. I had Lords of Acid, Lords of the Underground, Lords of Brooklyn. So we <laughs> do a little Lord set coming up at some point or another. So I've got the Beck Bogart in a piece, uh, Robin Ford. And yeah, at the end of this, a little treat going out to my man Joe Zepp, the drummer. I know he loves anything Zeppelin. That's not on like one of their regular albums. If you can find one of those outtakes, well, I absolutely did. Kicking off the drive groove, though. Going to get your redlining with this puppy. It's Beck Bogart in a piece. Drive groove of the day on the Groove of Time. SoFloRadio.com.
the way you do it. John Bonham at both his finest and his worst. That is Royal Orleans. The original of that, of course, is on Presence. That is a um, demo that they did um, when they were recording the album. They did like four different versions of that, and that's got John Bonham singing. And it's his drumming on that's fantastic. His singing, not so much. <laughs> okay? Before that, Robin Ford doing Village Blues. That is a John... Coltrane uh, track. John Coltrane originally wrote that. It's from an album called A Giant Supreme, Giant Steps in Fusion Guitars from 2004. The entire thing is a tribute to John Coltrane. And I played stuff from other tribute albums, uh, A Royal Dan, stuff like that, when this is the same kind of thing. They've got every, you know, slam and shredding guitarist out there, Frank Gambale, Robin Ford, Elliot Randall. They bring all these guys in, and they all did various John Coltrane songs. One of the cool things about this is on bass, the bass player for all of the stuff on that, Alfonso Johnson. Alfonso Johnson from Weather Report, but also the bass player on stuff I played a few weeks ago, Jazz is Dead. The guy, Rob Morgenstein, there's your tie-in right there. Also, bonus package for me is that I realized that um, I had seen Alfonso Johnson is one of those guys that basically everybody wants to hire. Um, he plays in tons of studio stuff, but he also gets hired out. For various tours, when so and so's bass player can't can't come in, they want to get the guy that can do do the best job. They bring in Alfonso Johnson, and he's toured with the Dead, and he's you know all kinds of stuff. I saw him in 1983. He had been uh, he was the bass player for Bobby and the Midnight's. Um, Billy Cobham, by the way, was on drums, so that was a pretty cool show. Billy Cobham and Alfonso Johnson end up being on Jazz Is Dead. That was the they opened for Hot Tuna, which as I've said before. That was the loudest show I've ever been to. From a pure how high do our AMs go, forget 11. Okay, Yorma and Jack had that shit up to like 15, pal. So that was a great show. But in any event, Robin Ford, Village Blues. And uh, if you're, you know, into guitar, man, absolutely an album you should get. Giant Steps and Fusion Guitar from 2004 and kicking it off. What a fantastic song. No matter what the quality of that song is, I don't care what kind of quality you hear it. An AM radio with like a little thing, you know, in your ear. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that Bogart and Apathy, that album, if you want, just kick your teeth down your throat. Pure, unadulterated rock and roll. That album kicks ass. Uh, three songs set there for the drive group of the day. You know what? I've got stuff to say, but I'm stashing it. Why? More groove. You can't go wrong with more groove. I was listening to some stuff from um, a folder I had of just, you know, classic funk songs, songs that everybody knows and came across the Commodore's Brickhouse. Once again, yeah. you can't go wrong. Cannot no. go wrong. No. Here's some Anthem. interesting. Yeah. A staple. A staple, absolutely. But here's the best thing about that. Normally, on Commodore's, Lionel Richie's the singer. Not on this song. That's oh, why okay. I like, oh, no. It is the drummer. This guy's name is Walter Clyde Orange. Okay. That is his name. And when they they came up with the track, the interesting thing is is that one of the guys in the band brought, like, the producer, when they, they, they wrote the original riff for this song, the producer 
said, wow, this is great. We should turn this into something. So he, he put the, the, the riff down, put it on a cassette tape, and gave it to the members of the band. They brought it home so they could see what they could do with it. All right. I, one of them did. They didn't have any lyrics at the time. Just, okay. the, just the group. They brought it home. One of the guys in the band you know, brings it home. His wife listens to it. He goes to sleep. He wakes up in the morning, and his wife had written the lyrics. He then shows up at the studio. Yes. Whoa. Oh, here we go. It gets better. gets better. <coughs> he shows up at the studio and claims that he had written the lyrics. Oh, and yeah. that's the way it went. And she didn't get credit for years later because she didn't want to screw up the band. She didn't want to make it sound like somebody else yeah. did. But eventually, uh, she ended up getting credit, the wife of one of the guys in the Commodores. So none of the Commodores wrote, And it was originally, that was the thing. The title was going to be, she's built like a brick shit house, And so she... We, we get the joke. We get the joke. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah I'm, I understand. Ba 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 boom, boy. That, that's what when I heard first heard. That's what I thought the pauses were all about. She's a brick house. house. Well, you know, <laughs> but it was. That's the right. whole point. Yeah. But since the lyrics were actually written by a woman, yeah. she decided to modify that a little bit. You know, hey, yeah. it's the seventies, all right. Gloria Steinem ruled at that time, and you know, God bless her for whatever. Any event, God so, bless them for burning bras. There you go. Yes, less bras, more fun. So, and you know. I've been to places where they really take that to heart. Um, yeah. The uh, place in New York is, uh, I can't remember, it was down in the meatpacking district, but they had like thousands of bronze on the, on the ceiling. I was like, where the hell was I when that was taking place? <laughs> so so in any event, if you ever wanted to know who wrote the lyrics for Brickhouse, it's not one of the members of the Commodores, but you know what? doesn't matter because it's such a funky-ass tune. It's Groovathon worthy here on SoFloRadio.com.
Oh, it's a rhythm. More mess on my thing. I'm just talking to love George over here saying if you heard James Brown come and start singing over that track, you'd think that was normal. That is a J. That's really, if you're going to do an homage to James Brown, that kind of thing, he just puts a little vamping in the background, and that's what James Brown did. It's like the same beat over and over, and then it's James Brown being James Brown. That is Poets of Rhythm. More mess on my thing. From their uh, very first release uh, from 1994, Practice What You Preach. Yeah, I'm on a bit of a kick, but you know what? It's a groovy kick. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Before that, T and The Crumpets Never Say That Again. That's a band out of San Francisco uh, from the late 90s. Some pretty interesting stuff by those guys kicking it off. A standard, an absolute standard, a must-own. There are some things you should own, and then there are some things you must own. And you must own Brick House by the Commodores. Well, frankly, yeah. I'm not sure if I can really talk with you. I mean, un-American if you don't. Uh, it, absolutely, you, you don't absolutely. Like music. If you don't like that song, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. Stay off the pipe, baby. Stay yeah. off the pipe. A um, little bit of time left, and I just wanted to say thank you to a whole bunch of people while I was away. And you know what? You know who's on the, you know who's on that list? You. Look, hey, yo. George is over here. Who, That's even right. though I was not around. Took all the music for that uh, for the, the show two weeks ago. Put right. it all together perfectly. I mean, it came out like a gangbuster. Uh, it was one minute of talk and 119 <laughs> minutes of music. I mean, I, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, yeah, that's the way it should be. I've heard you talking. You know? <laughs> so, Those but, guys. But I want to thank people. you for that. I wanted You're to thank my entire New York crew. Um I got a chance to watch the first World Series game up at a place called the Abbey on 105th, and a whole bunch of people came out basically because I was there. They're like, oh, well, let's all get together. This is the, Wonderful. you know, and so it's Eric Alterman, Mike Bone, Ronnie Norpo, Roger Hitz. Thank you all very much for making that night just super-duper special for me. It's great to come back and, and really be able to see all my friends. And what was really cool for me is I'm on my way to go see the Hippie Nuts on, um, at the bitter end on Bleecker Street. And as I'm walking down Bleecker Street, I'm going from east to west, I walk by the NYU Towers, which are between Bleecker and Houston. The, the address um, for the one that my father lived in, he was a professor at NYU, was 110 Bleecker Street. And as I'm walking, I was plenty early. I was planning on getting a burger, you know, grabbing something to eat before I hit the show. And I stand, I'm looking at the building, and I go, you know what, I should call my bro. Call my brother. Because that's when, when he was born, that's where my dad was living. My dad had been had remarried at that point. And so I called my brother on the phone. I said, guess where I am? He goes, I don't know. I said, 110 Bleecker. He goes, you're in New York? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to be there in three days. I said, you're shitting me. He goes, no, I'm coming. And he's doing a bunch of stuff for um, some of the He's helping out with the jazz musicians for American talent artists. One of these companies that represents a bazillion people. They brought him in to help them out with their jazz uh, repertoire and stuff and how to handle licensing products music, you know, where they go and stuff like that. So we ended up getting together. He's like, look, I've got a meeting on 57th Street. It's right around the corner from your mom. I've got about an hour and a half. Let's get together. We get together. Sit down at a Starbucks because he's got one of those Starbucks. He's like, look, mm-hmm. let me, I've got a Starbucks card. It's like punching, you know, he's got it on his phone and all these gets points. Sit down. Two tables over is Phil Jackson, the general manager um, for the New York Knicks. You know, and Phil Jackson, obviously, he's got, you know, Phil, Philly Nine Rings Jackson, I think is what they call him. Now, that's his nickname because he's got nine championships from coaching. He's got another two when he was with the Knicks. He was he was actually a thug when he was with the Knicks. He was injured, as I recall. He didn't play 
when they won their championship in uh, 69-70. Um, but he did play when they won 72-72 and had a fantastic team. Um, after uh, Earl Monroe, Earl to Pearl joined, they, they got him, picked him up from the Bullets. I had the Wizards. Who the fuck are they? It's the Washington Bullets. All right, we're gun happy. You know, we love guns in this country, but we hate things that remind us of them. <laughs> That's what that is. I, I think I pegged it right there. You know, I'm sure you know. It's like all those people that voted against. You know, that, that said we need to get rid of that because it's too violent. They're all armed to the teeth. Right. You know right. they are. So I I spared him. He was doing an interview with some guy from a sport, so I spared him the, uh, hey, can I have a selfie thing, and simply went over and said, look, last year was the worst year in Knicks history, and I live in Miami. So you can imagine the shit I get. He looks up to he looks up at me, and he was sitting down, so that's why he looked up at me, because when he stood up, guy's 6'6". Huge. Wearing a nice suit and sneakers. He has bad knees now, obviously. And I said, you can imagine the shit I take. He goes, oh, yeah. I said, please. Just tell me we're, we're going to kick some more ass this year than we did last year. And he goes, we're going to kick more ass this year than we did last year. I said, thank you very much. Got my brother. Got up and left. <laughs> you know? Spared in the Done. bullshit. Yeah. Got what I needed to say out of the way. And they kicked ass on opening night. Now, that's only one game. On the other hand, last year, I think they only won like 20. They was the, literally the worst year in Knicks history. It's their worst record ever. And if... As a New Yorker, we take basketball kind of, you know, basketball and baseball are two things that we kind of believe are ours. Certainly baseball. New York City, the greatness of baseball in New York City throughout baseball's history. I mean, Walt Whitman, mm-hmm. you know, from the, he said, I see great, it is America's game, I see great things in baseball. Walt Whitman, big baseball fan. Big, big, big baseball fan. New Yorker. He had moved to New York. He was writing bullshit for uh, the Penny Dailies coming out of Brooklyn and stuff like that. This is while he was spending, you know, what is it? It took him, what, 40 years to finish off one book of poetry, Lisa Grant. <laughs> you know? And then he finally finished it and died like two months later or something like that. So we take that shit to heart, okay? You know, as New Yorkers, there's a bunch of stuff we take to heart. And I just, so please, I just a 40-win season. I'd settle for a 500 season. That's what I'd settle for. But I'm chatting with my um, brother, and he's, you know, we're talking about stuff because he's got the Tucson Jazz Festival, the second annual Tucson Jazz Festival. He's the music director, and that's going to be coming up in January. And so we're in constant contact about bands. You know, he's like, hey, you know, who do you think should, you know, anybody you got in mind? And I was telling him, as a, for instance, my friend Ron Sunshine has a brand new album that is going to be coming out November the 20th, but he has told me that I might be getting a preview track Little little something to whet the appetite there. Brand new stuff, so that's coming in. So I recommended him. Recommended my friend Adam Rogers. Went to school with him. He's the guy did the lead boots um, cover, the Jeff Beck cover for Beck and Back. So he's on that. Um, so we were in, talking about a bunch of bands, and he turned me on to two bands. One is called uh, Knee. I have, now I closed the book. Knee Body. N K N E E B O D Y. Um. And you know, I listen to the, and when I listen to bands like this, the first thing I think of is, all right, who do they sound like? They're new, so that you know they sound like somebody else. Who are they influenced by? I've got a whole list: Gentle Giant, Camel, all these bands written down. This is a band called Meliana, and it's two guys, um, one on drums, and um, one on keyboards and synthesizer and electronics, and you know. The Rob Morgenstein and Jordan Rudis did a have a CD out called the Morgenstein Rudis Project. It's the same thing: Morgenstein on drums and Rudis, uh, Jordan Rudis on keyboards. 
This is very much like that. This is it's a very similar thing. This is a brand new thing that came out in 2014. The song is, uh, this is a live version of a song called Just Call Me Nige. And, but they have a, uh, a CD out called Taming the Dragon. And I was talking to George over here. George, big Kraftwerk fan. Yes. Big yes. Kraftwerk Solid fan. Solomon concert here. Yes, you did. I remember. That I was Caveld. Caveld, did you? Yeah, you know, I did. But we, we talk about these kind of bands all the time. The bands that are not traditional bands. You know, bass, drum, guitars, keyboard, sure. singer. Okay. And you know, Depeche Mode was another one. We were talking about yeah, that. I like it when they reinvent I do, I do, too. And, you know, a lot of it, I think, is hokey pinocchi. But they put out stuff every once in a while. I'm like, hey. All right, you got something there. Mm-hmm. And so we like that kind of stuff. This is very much like that. Now, I know you haven't heard this yet. Okay. Okay. This is brand Can't new. Wait. Yeah. And I really think that you might like this. I really hope the Grooveteers do. It's a band called Meliana, but before we leave, as always, here at the Groovatine, it is an attitude of gratitude. All right. I am the tank. It is full. The tank is full of gratitude. For all my friends, to the people that helped take care of my mom uh, when she was in rehab, to Linda, who has been over the house a bunch of times. She doesn't even know the show exists. But thank you, Linda, who comes over and has been helping out. And all the people that have said, uh, wished me well and wished her well. Uh, Barry, you know, she wishes she could see you. Celeste, she says hello to you and sends her love. These are all people that have known my mom for years. And, you know, she's kicking it, baby. No, well, she's not exactly kicking it because she just had knee surgery. But she's going to be kicking it soon. She's going to be kicking it soon. She's looking forward to it. And the best thing is, is that right now, her recovery is going to be as the weather gets colder. And I told her, I said, you know, the cool thing is, is that you're going to feel much better after the result of this. And you're going to start really feeling well. Right time for spring. Right time for spring. Took her out for a walk the other day. The weather in New York while I was there. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I've said that before. And the weather certainly was a tribute to that. It literally it rained only one day I was there, and most of the time I was there was in the 50s and 60s, and the last day I was there was 70 degrees in New York City. And I got my mom outside, took a walk on uh, 7th Avenue, walked over to Carnegie Hall, hit the bank, hit the store, came back, you know, very slowly, but we did it. So, as always, here at the Groove of Dine, for myself and the master, whether I'm here or not, he takes care of, he's TCB yeah. and baby, taking care of business. As always, from the Groove of Don, baby, it is aloha. Peace. Hey, Ma, kick it, baby. Good night.
from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com.